0: Welcome to Farrington's Features, the school podcast where we talk to pupils, to staff and to parents to find out more about Farrington's School. In each episode, we'll be talking to members of the school community to hear more about life in the school. So let's get into this episode right now of Farrington's Features.
1: It's the summer term at Farrington School, which can only mean one thing. Exams. In this episode, we talk to Simon Smith, Assistant Head and Lead on Boarding and Safeguarding, Blair Farrant from the PE Department and Lead for Mental Health and Wellbeing, and Councillor Colette Grindley. We'll find out how parents can support their children at this time and how pupils can look after their own wellbeing. We'll talk about revision, and we get some top tips on feeding the brain and staying calm during the exams. We also find out a bit about how teachers feel during this exam season. Let's meet Simon Smith, Blair Farrant and Colette Grindley. Hello.
0: Good morning. Morning, Tracy.
1: Simon, so this time of the year, always a difficult one, how can parents support their children during the exam season?
0: I think it is uh, an incredibly stressful period for all parents, Uh, and of course, we would include in that boarding housemasters and housemistresses and and all house staff who are sort of loco parentis, looking after uh, children uh, whilst uh, they're away from home. But but thinking about them and parents of our day pupils, uh, I'm inclined to say um, a good sense of humour and plenty of gin and tonics. But uh, I think sort of more practical advice that we can give would be, first and foremost, it's about taking notice of how their sons and daughters are doing. Parents know their children better than anybody. So it's looking out for those signs as to how they're traveling, uh, good or bad happy or sad, and then responding accordingly. But I think the most important thing is to keep a really good open relationship with your son or daughter, to talk openly over the meal tables, uh, on the sofa on an evening, ask them how they're doing, ask them what they've done that day, what are they going to do this day? Because I think keeping a routine is the really challenging part of preparing for exams. Uh, we're approaching that point as as many schools are when children are uh, unleashed from their school timetable and uh, they enter a period of uh, sort of study leave. And so they have these long days without a timetable in which to fill with revision. And I think parents, uh, and I'm conscious that parents are often uh, busy working themselves. There's other siblings to be looking after. There's dogs that probably need walking, etc. But there needs to be a really good, clear routine for their children to follow. And we'll come on to What that routine looks like. I think that what parents shouldn't do, of course, is to add to that pressure. That constant sense of what have you done today? Um, why aren't you working harder? Why aren't you working uh, earlier this morning? Um, shouldn't you be working later into the night? You haven't got time to be on your phone. You haven't got time to go outside, etc. cetera. Um, these children are putting themselves under enough pressure. So I think as long as there's a really good routine there, then I think just keeping that open dialogue and supporting them, listening to them, And actually, in many cases, it's taking the lead on getting them to unwind. It's saying, you need to take a break. You can take the dog for a walk. Go and see your friends this evening. You've worked really hard all day. So I think it's a really lovely balance of keeping an eye on them, but at a distance, keeping those routines going. Don't put the pressure on and give them a chance. In fact, more than a chance, encourage them proactively to unwind.
1: Good advice, Simon. And, and we've started to talk about the pupils and, and looking after their own uh, well-being. How do they do that? How, what would be the advice to the pupils?
0: I think that's a great question, Tracy. I'm just going to hand over to Blair now, who spends a lot of time, a lot of her time at the, the sort of chalk face dealing with these pupils. So I'm just going to hand you over to Blair.
2: Hiya. So obviously... I see a lot of pupils and, and how their, their well-being is every single day. I think, yes, there's a lot of stress when we come down to that point of uh, the uh, crunch time, I guess. And I think one of the key things that I see is avoidance. Wanting to do things that are the easier task rather than doing things that maybe need to be done. So my first top tip would be to have a list and make sure it's in priority order. Making sure that we, we know that we need to be doing this because it's the exam coming up. However, actually, they know that they would rather do something else because that's easier. So really focusing on the priority tasks. I would also make sure that there's there's some real downtime scheduled in within that timetable because it's really important that they don't feel overwhelmed. I see a lot of students all the time and they, are, they just come in and they say, I'm really overwhelmed, I've got too much going on. I've seen about three or four already this week. Being a PE teacher, I think it's really important to promote here some exercise. Exercise is really important for the body and the mind. It's a escape for a lot of students. A lot of students want to go off and do some things. Like uh, Simon said, if it's it's taking the dog for a walk, if it's doing some gardening with with your mum, whatever it is that, that takes your fancy, some sort of movement for the body is really, really important. And also some vitamin D which we all need. <laughs> and lastly, for sure, it's you need to make sure that there's something to look forward to. So whether that's the 11am the tea and biscuits, or the Friday evening takeaway, or even going to the gym in the morning, something still to look forward to is really, really important whilst we go through this real hard time of time of their lives, really. So mm. yeah, that's what I would say. Keep thinking about July. That's all I ever
1: did. Just kept thinking of July and <laughs> <Yeah>. August. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've talked, about, we've talked about parents and we've talked about children. Uh, what role can friends and a wider family play in, in helping the young person?
2: I'll just pass you over to our counsellor, Colette.
3: Thank you very much. I think the best thing friends can do is to support each other. Many young people report that friends help calm them down when they're feeling anxious or stressed. What students need to be asking is, is there a friend or family member who you feel you can offload to? You're looking for someone who makes you feel warm and safe and someone who will have the time for you when you need it most. You're trying to find the balance between bottling up and suppressing how you feel, which isn't good. Try to regain a feeling of control over your emotions and talking things through with people you can trust can be a good way to cope, allowing you to come to terms with things in a more contained way. The purpose of talking isn't to solve all your problems. In fact, a lot of the time you won't get many or even any solutions from a good conversation about how you're feeling, but don't worry. Just the act of talking everything
1: over can be really, really helpful. Some very wise advice. Now, I suppose the word we most hear this time of year is stress. But is stress
2: necessarily a bad thing?
3: Okay, I'm going to pass you over to Blair again for that.
2: In short, no. Stress is a natural response from the body to normal environmental factors. I think it's really important that we hone in on that stress at points and really take advantage of it as long as it doesn't spiral out of control. Short-term stress, also known as eustress, is is a real good motivator and they can really enhance their performance if they focus in on that stress, however, that point of the prolonged stress is when it can be detrimental and hinder our health whether it's physical or or mental so it's really important to have those those kind of stress management situations just knowing how to how to manage the stress a little bit better in order to cope with the demands of your environment so i have 3 top ideas that i would use to ensure that we manage our stress well so number 1 no matter how much Revision, we need to do, how much we need to cram in. Do not prioritize this over your night's sleep. The more tired you are, the the less that you will retain, for sure. Have an SOS distraction, I call it. If there's a real pinch point in your revision schedule or just before an exam, have something to fiddle with, focus on, or distract yourself with. So, for example, I know that I doodle a lot when I'm a little bit stressed. So it's just something that I can completely zone out with, focus on for just that for five minutes or so, and then come back into the room and focus on what we needed to do. And finally, listen to your body. For example, if you have a headache or you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed, please take that time out. Take that five, 10 minutes out or take an hour out if you need to have a nap and and relieve your headache Because the overriding factor will be that you will remember being stressed and you'll remember feeling unwell rather than what you're trying to retain in the revision. Thank you
1: for those. They sound like some uh, really, really good advice there. So are there any other sort of exam myths that we'd like to dispel while we're here? Back to Simon.
0: I think one of the, the biggest myths is probably that there is a silver bullet. Uh, there, is, there is one strategy, there is one method of revision that, that works for everybody. When, of course, the reality is that everybody is an individual uh, and what will work for one person may not work for Another, However, I think there are a few uh, myths, strategies handed down from, from one generation to the next that teenagers seem to sort of cling on to that the science wouldn't necessarily support. So I guess uh, the most obvious one is that well if I revise it the night before I'm more likely to remember it going into tomorrow morning's exam and and um, I guess that's what we would all remember as cramming uh, or doing an all-nighter um, and uh, Blair has already reminded us of the importance of a, a good night's sleep so we'll be talking a little bit about routines and timetables later on but certainly the idea of cramming the night before uh, we wouldn't necessarily wish to uh, to promote. There are other uh, learning strategies um, and memory tips that over the years have sort of done the, the school rounds. But again, sadly, there's not an awful lot of scientific research to support it, even if they seem to instinctively work. So for example, Uh, There is something called uh, brain gym and the idea that we are all either visual learners, auditory learners or kinesthetic kinesthetic learners. Now, yes, of course, there probably are ways that we uh, instinctively uh, prefer to learn. To remember things, but unfortunately, the science doesn't really back this up. And the idea that we can only learn one way by jumping up and down our bedroom, or listening to it on headphones, or having multicolored post-it notes all over, over our bedrooms—these may all help, but they're not the only approach. And and I think one myth is that I can only learn that way and should learn at the expense of all the others different subjects may require different approaches. So yes, there is a place for post-it notes with French vocabulary. It may well be that uh, a PE sort of sports science exam, some sort of movement, etc., will help there too. I think another uh, myth and, and area of debate is this whole area of music. And should we revise to music? Uh, And if so, what type of music? So for some, it's classic FM. Uh, For others, it's perhaps slightly uh, more edgy contemporary music. Unfortunately, the science does suggest that when it comes down to it, silence is best. Now, this might be slightly controversial, and it's not the way that many of us would probably wish to work, But of course, revision is, in a very large part, about preparing yourself for the examination itself. And of course, examinations, sadly for now, are hosted in total silence. And I equate this to those people who go off running, and a lot of people like to listen to podcasts and uh, audio books and music when they're running. But a lot of running events. If they take place on the road, for example, you're not allowed to then listen to music. And I know my experience is when I do those sorts of runs without my earphones and my music, and all I can hear is the sound of my wheezy, heavy breathing and plodding on the roads, I find the whole thing quite unsettling, off-putting and very alien. So unfortunately, I think that a very important way to prepare oneself for an exam is to uh, do some revision in absolute silence. And finally, and I think probably the most common myth of all is that what good revision looks like is opening up a textbook or your folder or your exercise book and starting at page one and reading it. And reminding yourself of what that teacher taught you all the way back in September. Uh, You can't always read your notes. You can't always read the teacher's feedback. And the whole thing is a bit of a mess. So I would suggest that just sitting reading is not a useful uh, revision strategy. And I think that's probably the biggest, most common mistake that many pupils make.
1: Okay, so let's go on to what a good day of revision looks like. What should you be building into your schedule?
0: So, again, I think good days are different days for different people. For some people, those larks amongst us, it may well be getting up early and getting the revision done in the morning. For those sleepy heads amongst us, it may well be having a really good night's sleep, sleeping in in the morning and then working late into the evening. So from that point of view, I think a good day's revision has to work for you. But I think there are some general guidelines that we can suggest a lot of pupils like to spend their first two or three days of any study leave revision period writing their revision timetable. And of course, this is a great distraction strategy from the revision itself. Uh, So I think first and foremost, that's probably not a good use of your time. And I would honestly suggest that there is a case to be made for seeing how you feel. You know when your exams are coming up, and you will have a sense for whether you feel in the mood to do some French or some maths, maybe to do some history or some geography. So I think there is uh, nothing wrong with going with gut instinct each day. But I think, and, and to go back to one of Blair's points, I think you do have to have a structure in that day. I would suggest that you divide the day up into blocks of an hour. Two hours, have a meal. Two hours, take the dog for a walk, get some exercise. Two hours in the evening, perhaps, with, as Blair suggested, having a a lovely reward at the end of it, whether it's a a bit of Netflix or seeing friends, getting outside, etc. So I think that's really important. I think to go back to my earlier point... I think avoiding sitting, simply staring at notes, reading, rereading, making notes of your notes and then notes of those notes is not a useful use of your time either. All the research suggests that the most effective use of your day is past papers and sitting, completing exam questions, maybe not a whole exam paper, maybe with your revision notes in front of you, but saying to yourself in the next hour, I am going to answer questions one and two in silence, under time conditions, with or without my notes. And then at the end of that, and this is a really important point, when you've done all of these past paper questions, hunt down your teacher, find them. Go into school if you have to, give them it, thrust it into their hand, and then get that feedback. Don't let them forget, make sure that they are telling you what you've done well and what you can do better. So a really productive, organized day full of rewards that suits your own particular mood, rhythm and flow, and then make sure you're getting feedback from your teachers on how effective that day has gone. And don't be frightened. If you've worked really hard Monday to Friday, don't be frightened to take the weekend off.
1: I'm feeling calmer already, Mr. Smith. (laughs) Now, we talked about sleep. How can pupils ensure that they actually do sleep well? Because it it seems to me that when we're stressed, that's almost the first thing that goes out of the window, isn't it?
2: Blair? Yes, absolutely. Um, Well, as I'm sure a lot of people know, sleep is one of the most important factors to ensure that we retain that information for the exams it allows the body and mind to digest the day and recuperate ready for what you throw at it for the next day sleep deprivation can not only reduce your focus and energy but also reduce and lower your immune system let's be honest who actually wants to be too poorly for the exam and then have to retake in august definitely not so students should be aiming for about seven to nine hours of sleep each night. Now, the key thing is to be as consistent as you can on when you go to bed. What's important is that we try and avoid screens. So phones, laptops, anything like that, about 30 minutes before we go to bed. If earlier, that's that's even better. Try to wind down by either taking a bath, reading a book, Try not to go over your notes. Once you put them away, leave bedtime for bedtime. Another great thing is the mindfulness apps. So for example, I use Headspace. It's a really good app to wind down just before you go to bed. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. You may find that it is it is harder to go to sleep because you are worrying. However, just allow yourself to relax if you're really really struggling put the app back on where where it's a bit of mindfulness or read the book but just avoid at all costs looking at your phone because it will engage the engage the brain again and we don't want that you want to wind down so sleep is so so important do not do not think that i've got too much work to be doing and I can't afford to have my seven to nine hours uh, tonight because I need to get all of that done make sure that you just put it away. Like I said earlier, you won't retain it. You'll be too groggy and too tired to remember all of that. So just make sure that you really focus on getting into bed at that consistent time. 10 o'clock is a great time to go to bed.
1: Wonderful, wonderful advice. I think I'll be doing that. I think it's probably you as well, Blair. We we mentioned snacking, but any tips on food and nutrition? Are there things we shouldn't eat at this stage? other than bags and bags of haribo obviously. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, of course, as always nutrition when we when we talk about that the key is balance. The worst thing to do which happens so so often is neglecting your diet because you're too busy to eat. Now, thing something that you need to remember is that actually the fuel to your to your body is food so just like you you would put petrol in a car you need to make sure that we're putting in the right the right food into the into the, your body to make sure that we can run the right way and efficiently as well so My top tip would be to start off the day really, really, really well with either something like a granola bowl or a smoothie and pack in those fruits that have the antioxidants. So things like berries, kiwis. And um, if you can, not to everyone's taste, but try and add some leafy greens to some spinach or kale. Trust me, you can't taste it. It's just really, really good for you. This will set you off in a great way with some natural sugars and, and give you a good bout of energy that will last a little bit longer than say you having those Harry Bows. Focus on something that's really important actually is focusing on uh, the omega-3. Now this is known as your brain fuel It will make sure that your your brain is functioning to the best of your ability. It's not an overnight superpower, but you need to make sure that you're consistently having it again. You can find this in oily fish. However, if you're a vegetarian or you don't like fish, try and pack in things like walnuts, flax seeds, chia seeds into the smoothie. It will have the same effect. Something that as I know I did as a student was take a lot of visits to the fridge as an avoidance. Um, so just make sure that the fridge is packed with things that are relatively healthy and also very easy just to grab and go. For example, some apple and peanut butter, carrots and hummus, berries, things that are readily available every single, every single day and fresh to go. Um, this will avoid you opening the fridge and thinking, what can I have And then actually think, oh, no, it's easier just to go and get a chocolate bar. Now, there's a right time and place for a chocolate bar, but we need to make sure that you are fueling the body in the right way. Try and avoid eating too many processed foods. Have the odd chocolate bar, yes, for sure. But because they will make you feel good instantly. However, they will make you feel sluggish after a while. Finally, please drink lots and lots of water it's really, really important. Your brain is 60% water and just 2% dehydration will have a massive impact on your brain's performance. So as tempting as it is, try and stick to as much water as possible. Try and avoid too much caffeine, especially after 12 o'clock, as this will have an effect on your all-important sleep.
1: Fantastic. I'm trying to take it all in here. No more Haribo. So we talked about stress. Now let's talk about calm. How do you keep calm in the exam? I think, Colette, you're going to take this one up. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I mean, I know this sounds really weird, but breathing is key. When you're feeling anxious, your breathing becomes very, very erratic. So it's really important that you focus on that. And one tip that I would say to any student whether you're sitting your exam in the classroom or in the exam hall is is to focus on the clock in front of you because every clock in this school has a second hand finger which is very, very rhythmical. Um the the motion itself will actually calm you down and it will also Also control your breathing. So focus on the second hand clock on the wall. Um, Also, just to reiterate what Blair said you know keep yourself hydrated bring a bottle of water into the exam room because again this will relax you but it will also act as a distraction from your anxiety other strategies that I've been suggesting to students is you know take a stress ball in uh, into the exam with you you know whilst you're reading the exam paper squeeze the stress ball also um, try and think of wearing an anxiety ring you can get these on amazon and they're not expensive at all but it's it's almost like tactile you know. know they don't make a noise but they're there you know and they will calm you down Um, also one thing that I would say is when you're in your classroom or the exam hall look around Um, everyone you know is as anxious as you are you know you'll see students clicking their pens they might be drumming their fingers on their on the desk they might be just generally fidgeting um, or constantly reshuffling their pens and pen and pencils on the desk these are all signs of nervous uh, of nervousness sorry so remember that you know you're not alone in this
1: everybody's feeling the same yeah, well, some great advice there, Colette. I have to say, I can remember back to my exams and apparently, and I didn't know I was doing this, after I'd finished every question, I let out a huge sigh. And by the end of it, I think people were ready to kill me. <laughs> there we go. Now, let's turn to the teachers, shall we? Um, they get stressed, obviously, during the exam season. I'm sure they do. Do you have any tips for them?
0: Gosh, yes, teachers do get stressed. Um, I think there's probably as long a queue outside of Colette's door of teachers at this time of year as as there is of of students. Um, But but sort of joking aside, I think teachers do get stressed because they care. Uh, They care about their students and they will have put a a great deal of of work, planning, preparation and effort into getting their students uh, across the line. And and I think teachers are particularly stressed this summer because of course it has been uh, two years since the last set of exams and uh, for some teachers this is the first time um, and it's unfamiliar territory, and, and for many of us, uh, it has been a little while since we went through it, and, and, and you do forget. I think the problem is, of course, is that the students look to the teachers, and they are looking for reassurance, and they're looking for support and faith and a sense that it will be all okay. Okay. I remember uh, a few years ago teachers used to be able to go into the exam hall and look at the exam paper whilst the students were sitting the exam and you know you'd you'd go in and almost instantly all the students would put down their pens and look up and look at you for your reaction <laughs> As to what you thought of the paper. Uh, so you needed a very good poker face. Uh, of course, you're not allowed to do such things now. So that, that's one less thing to worry about. Similarly, I would suggest that teachers do not immediately after the exam hunt down the students and ask them how they thought it went. What questions did they choose? What did they write in those questions? Just as we would say to students, don't ask your friends. Don't ask other people in the class, what answer did they get for question one or two or three? Because we all know that all the answers that are given are only going to heighten stress, heighten anxiety. Students never choose the questions they should. Students never always write (laughs) what you've told them to write. And you just have to accept that what they've done is still their very best work. I think... It does get easier as you become more experienced in your career. Um, And as long as that, you know, you've covered the syllabus you've taught and prepared the pupils as best you can, then I think you just have to remain a model of calmness um, and of uh, inspiration and hope to the pupils. But there's no getting away from it. Um, Teachers across the land will be just as nervous the night before the morning of results days. And and I would just simply defer all the lovely advice that we've heard from Colette and Blair that we've given to our pupils as well. Um, And so I think it is the classic um, do as I do and do as I say um, advice as well.
1: So we get through the exams, fingers crossed, and we get to results day. Colette, I think you're going to take this one. This is a big day for young people, isn't it?
3: and a very stressful one as well, yeah. I think the first thing you've got to think of is if you're coming into school for your results, think about who you would like to go into school with. Think about how you might want to read your results. In other words, in front of your friends or in a quiet area away from everyone else. Don't get caught up in the hectic emotional environment. Um, If you're receiving your results remotely, again, think about how and who you would like to be there with you. Um, In both instances, allow yourself the time and the space to process your results. What I would say is that if you don't get the the exam results you were hoping for, don't panic. You've got plenty of options if you didn't get the exam grade you wanted. Take a deep breath and start talking. Speak to your teacher, speak to the careers advisor and whoever else you can to find out what you should do next. Find out as much as you can before making a decision and remember that it's not the end of the world. There are many extremely successful people out there who didn't get the grades they were hoping for either. There are lots of paths to success, so your disappointment as motivation to find yours. If you got the exam results you wanted, well done. And make sure that you celebrate this tremendous achievement. But be aware also that others around you may not have had such a happy news. So tone down the shrieking and the general madness until
1: you know that there's nobody nearby who's upset by their results. OK, so I was going to go on to the last question then. So finally, are there three top tips you would want to give to pass on to surviving exams?
3: The first one I would say is, you know, look at your surroundings. Make sure that, you know, it's a nice ambiance wherever you're going to be doing your revision. You know, make sure that you've got motivational posters around you to remind you that you can get through this period. Print out and display any positive feedback that you might have received from your teachers, whether it's a piece of work that you've received, um, or even they try and remember some of the positive comments that you received from your recent parents' evening. have all of these around you. I know that this has already been mentioned but I think it's really important. My second tip is to avoid hanging around those students who do have a tendency to ask you before you go into your exam room have you revised for whatever and then again after your exam avoid hanging though, around those students who have a tendency to ask you what did you get for question yeah because it's just going to exacerbate that that anxiety. And the final point, which I personally think is the most important, is self-care. Look after yourself. Find a YouTube video that makes you smile. If you're struggling to manage your mood or anxiety levels, don't keep it to yourself. Friends and family, I know we've mentioned it before, are so important. They're a great source of support. For some people, spending time alone to recharge looks like having a bath with a few too many bubbles or watching that terrible TV show that you just can't seem to stop watching. And for others, it's literally putting on your headphones and shutting out the world around you. But whatever you choose to look after yourself make sure you're making time for yourself so you can recharge your batteries for the weeks of studying
1: and acing those exams. Some wonderful advice so In fact, wonderful advice from everyone. So thank you so much to, to Simon Smith, to Blair Farrant and Colette Grinley. And I wish all of the pupils and all of the teachers at Farrington School very good luck as we approach the exam season. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school website, farringtons.org.uk. Now, the next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.